Hello, my name is Pastor Mark Sturmer with The Church International, and I would just like to say welcome to our podcast. I know God wants to use this to speak something very positive into your life. I know this will encourage you, help you grow in your walk with the Lord. And look, if you enjoy this, leave a review, make sure you share it with someone, and go ahead and subscribe so that you won't miss out on any of the messages that God wants to communicate to you. Well, look, God bless, get ready, lean in, and watch what the Lord is about to do. Pastor Levi uh, asked me to come, and, and Pastor Mark, they, they asked me to come down and speak, and they told me that they were gonna be in a Christmas series. And, and when Pastor Mark was up with us uh, a few weeks ago, uh, he came to me and he's like, hey, just this is what we're preaching on, so if you see something there related to Christmas that you wanna preach on, just let me know and, and we'll get it in there and stuff. And, and I really didn't have anything right away that kinda jumped off the page. And, and uh, about a week or two ago, Pastor Pastor Levi called me and was like, hey, you know, we, we had our creative meeting and we were talking about exactly what we want to go with this message. And so we wanted to see if you would preach on Christmas cheer. And I just kind of stopped for a second because I was just waiting for like the punchline there. Because people who know me, like, I'm not known for cheer. Like, Okay, okay, so I'll give you an example. This is my sad face. This is my mad face. This is my happy face. You gotta see what I'm working with there? I've got to limit it in that. And then when it comes to Christmas cheer, like that's even worse because I'm like the Grinch. Like, I would be the one still in the Christmas trees and all that. Uh, you know, my, my uh, church staff will ask me to be like, so what's the Christmas budget for decorating the church and stuff? I was like, didn't we hang up decorations last year? Can't we just go to the attic and just get some of those, just dust them off and use that? I mean, do we really need to do, is there any spiritual benefit in having a Christmas tree around the altar, you know? Even try to make it spiritual being a Scrooge. Come on, somebody, that's messed up. And then to say, well, I want you to speak on Christmas cheer. I was like, all right, Lord. You said that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. This is probably my greatest weakness, God, so you're going to have to help me. But then I remembered things about Christmas and things that used to make me joyful and things that I liked about Christmas back before I got old and turned into a Scrooge. And one of my favorite Christmas memories was at my grandparents' house. My grandpa was a pastor and a church planner in West Virginia, and he's gone on to be with the Lord, just an amazing man of God, uh, love him so much. And but on Christmas Eve, he would always have us come to their house and we would have a little Christmas service before we opened up our gifts, you know? And so he would read the Christmas story from both gospels, the entire thing, like from the very beginning of, you know, there was a, ta a decree for the tax. I was like, can we just skip forward to the good stuff? You know, baby Jesus in the manger and, and get into the Christmas. Because every, every child at Christmas is just looking under that tree, just waiting for the moment when they start unwrapping those presents. And we would have that. And then it wasn't over after that. Then we had to sing songs. Then we had to go around 
And everybody had to mention something that they were grateful for. And as people were talking, I'm like, all right, that's enough. Next, you know, next. I'm like, try to cut them off. Like, you're going, you're being a little long-winded today. Can we set a timer in front of you? Two-minute testimonies only, nothing any longer. And I have a lot of pastors and ministers, so you know how it is with pastors and ministers. You give them no, no timer in front of them. It goes on forever. And so then after everybody gave their testimony and what they were grateful for that year, then we had the hot seat. And the hot seat was a chair that they would pull out and they would pray over every individual person and then they would begin to prophesy over us and all this stuff. Two and a half to three hours later, once I'm tired and hungry and ready to go to bed, then it's time for the Christmas presents. But as we got older, I looked forward to the service and could care less about what was under the tree. And one of the greatest things that I miss is those, those Christmas services of listening to my grandpa and everything. And so today, in the true fashion of Christmas that was passed down to me from my grandfather, I'm going to read you the Christmas story from both Gospels. A much shorter version of it because I got a timer. And because I'm dyslexic and can't read, so you don't want to listen to me try to go through the whole thing. But I want to talk about this this morning, but before we get into that, I want to explain something. When you read scripture, there's a thing known as the principle of first mention. Now, the principle of first mention is that the first time someone or something is mentioned in scripture, it's setting a precedence. It's establishing something. We do the same thing in theater and movies and things like a a, a character enters into the thing. There's a description of who they are. You get background and all of that. You get information about the individual that you know how they're going to act in the future. And the the scripture does the exact same thing. And so we're going to look first at Luke chapter 2. And uh, in Luke chapter two, in verse nine, it talks about how an angel of the Lord appeared before Jesus or before these shepherds. And it said that there was a bright light and the glory of God shone around about them. And then in verse 10, it says, and the angel of the Lord said, do not fear because I will bring you good news of great joy. Say great joy, which will be for all the people. And so I want you to underline that phrase, good news of great joy, or write down that phrase because it's an important thing. Remember, if we're looking at principle of first mention, we're going to look for things that are consistent in this, okay? So then it says, for to you, unto you this day is born uh, in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now flip over to Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read the same thing. So you see in Luke, there was a bright light with the angels, and then it said we're going to bring great joy. In Matthew, it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, uh, in Judea, in the days of Herod, there was a magi from the east who arrived in Jerusalem. Now the magi were highly educated men. These particular uh, people were wealthy. They studied history. They were astronomers and everything, knew the stars. So they were educated enough to see. And these particular guys, when they came to the baby shower, they didn't bring a bunch of new news and bibs. All right, they brought gold. Come on, how many of you wish somebody would just bring some gold to your, uh, you know, some frankincense and myrrh. Like they brought expensive gifts. They didn't go for the cheapest thing on the gift registry. All right, and it says they saw a star. So what did they see? They saw a bright light. 
Now this star was bright enough that they realized this is different than other stars. It stood out above things. In verse nine, it goes on and they went and talked to Herod and it said, after hearing what the king said, and remember the king said you, he wanted them to come back and let him know where Jesus was born. Uh, it said they went their way and behold, they saw the star again. Uh, and it was in the east and went ahead of them and it came about to stop at a place where the child was to be found. And when they saw the star, look at this, they rejoiced with great joy. So here in both of the things, in the introduction of Jesus, you see two things. You see a bright light, but you also see great joy. Now I want you to think about this. Like there are people in our lives today that when we encounter them, have you ever heard somebody say the phrase, they just lit up the room? Like when they come in, like it doesn't matter if you're having a bad day, it doesn't matter what's happened. When they walk in, they just bring joy. They bring light into the room. They, they kind of feel the thing, you know, and I am not one of those people. I, I walk into the room and I just kind of hide in the back corner of the room. If I want you to know, or if there's business, I'll let you know why I'm there for, but that's kind of it, you know, I'm just there. My wife is like, the center of the room, like she walks in and you are aware that Melody Holly has arrived. <laughs> and she has passed this gene on to my son. My son is the same way, he's here with me today, he's the age of our church, so he's turned 10 years old, that's when we moved up, he was three months old when we uh, started our church, uh, started building our church and everything, and he is the same way when he walks into a room, like joy just enters into the room, because he's so energetic, he loves life, he's just full of it and, and everything, he's funny, he's smart, you know, all of these different things, and when they walk in, like it just lights up the room. And here you see in Jesus that when he arrived on the scene, there was light and great joy. Now it continued on, Jesus identified himself as light throughout scripture. He talked about being light in John chapter eight. It said, Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Now when you see this, and you've already got the, the, the principle of light would bring joy, then he's saying, I am the light, and when I show up into a room, I'm bringing joy. And not only that, but I am coming that people who will believe in me will have the same light of life that I have. Remember in John 10, 10, he talks about how the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life and life abundantly. I came so that you could live a joyful life. You should be a whole lot more happy about that. And some of y'all are like, well, that's great. When we get to heaven, we're going to celebrate. Like, we even sing songs. Like, how many in, in, in church, maybe growing up and stuff, you sing songs like, when we all get to heaven? When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. But he didn't say, I came so that they could have light in heaven. He said, I came so that you could have light in this life. 
I don't want you to just have victory in heaven. I came to your earth so that you could have victory over sin now, so that you could have victory over depression now, so that you could have joy in your life now. And here's one of my greatest fears is that what God called us to do, that we're not being it. Because if you look on, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly in John 10. In John 12, he's talking to a group of people again. And he said, while you have the light, believe in the light, verse 36, so that you will become sons of the light. I came so that you could believe in me, so that you could become like me. You know, the, the, the uh, mission statement for the church is to be conformed to the image of Christ, right? And so in that passage in Romans 8, 29, it says that whom he uh, pre-knew, he also con- uh, uh, transformed, uh, predestined that they would become uh, transformed into the image of Christ, that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren. Here he says, I came to bring light so that you could be sons of light, so that you could be brought into the family and demonstrate the light. He goes on again just a few verses later in verse 46. He said, I've come into the world as a light. Mark 2, or I mean Matthew chapter 2, star in the sky. Luke chapter 2, you had the, the angels and the glory of the Lord being revealed. I came as a light. So that. So now he's giving you a purpose. There's many people, one of the number one things people want to know in the church is what is God's will for my life? Well, he's getting ready to tell you. He's getting ready to tell you what every person who believes in him as the light and becomes a son of the light, this is the purpose that I have. I came to this world so that no one who, re- uh, who believes in me would remain in darkness. Now let me ask you this question. How many believers do we have in Christ today? How many of you believers are walking around and see darkness? Mm. So either Jesus lied That's not the answer. (laughs) Or there's a disconnect somewhere. And I think a lot of it is because we believe the lie. Can I tell you the majority of sins and strongholds, they just go back to a lie that you've believed in your life at some point in time. And for me, the reason why my happy face is this, my sad face is this, my angry face is this, it's because I believed I wasn't a happy person. People in my church all the time would joke and they'll want to run up and give me a great big hug because I'll talk about how I'm not a touchy-feely person. First time I ever walked in my mother-in-law's house before she was even my mother-in-law, she reaches over and grabs me and gives me a big cheek, kiss on the cheek. I'm like, get off, what are you doing? Don't you know personal space? Like, You just broke through wrong barriers. That, 
your daughter can kiss me, but not you. But God had to reveal to me, listen, Brandon, you have believed lies. When I was in kindergarten and first grade and stuff, going through the elementary line, the cooks, when I would come and, and get my food, they used to call me Smiley. And people who worked with me here at the church are like, why? Was it like some bad joke or something? I've never seen you smile in my life. The whole touchy-feely thing, like, I love to hug and, and, and love all my kids and my wife and everything. I was just selective. I, used, I allowed the enemy to tell me a lie, and I believed the lie, and it determined how I lived. Now, the thing is, the same thing has happened in the church, because we look at the darkness that's in the world, and we're like, it's dark, oh Jesus, please come back quickly. When Jesus is like, no, turn on your lights. I, there are more people who need me. There are more people that you are destined to reach. There are no, more people who need the joy. So you got to start smiling some. You got to start laughing some. You got to start enjoying life some because I didn't call you to be like this. I called you to be sons of light. I called you to bring great joy, exceedingly great joy. Christians should be the happiest people there are. Because our eternity is secure in Christ. We have the best retirement plan ever. <laughs> Streets of gold, a mansion. But why aren't we? Because we've believed lies. Some of you, I'm not a joyful person. Let me ask you. I, I, I said, how many of you are believers? And many of you raised your hand. So you know what that means? It means the spirit of God is inside of you. Y'all realize that, right? But you know what the evidence of the Spirit of God being inside of your life is? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The evidence of the Spirit of God being inside of your life is you're joyful. The evidence of the Spirit of God inside of you is that you can be loving. The evidence of the Spirit of God is that even when the person in front of you is in the fast lane and they're going slower than everybody else, you can be patient. You can walk with patience. But here's the thing, we have to understand what being the light of the world is and what it's not, okay? Jesus later said, he not only said, Are you, you're going to become sons of the light, but in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, he said, you are the light of the world. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're the light of the world. Look back at him and say, you're a city on a hill, and it cannot be hidden. I'm not talking about how big you are. I'm not saying you take up a city. It's rude. I mean, God looked at Abraham and said, you're a father of nations. Now, you got to realize, God didn't ordain you or call you just to be you. God ordained you and called you to reach cities and nations and states and, and all of these things. Like, the, 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 the potential impact that is inside of you is far greater 
I mean, think about this. Jesus said greater things than the things that I did, you would do because I go to the Father. Now, how many of us are walking in that type of light? He said, people don't light a lamp and then just put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand. Why do they put it on a stand? So that it gives light to all of those who are in the house. Now, here's one of the problems that we have is that in the church world today, we shine our light on Sunday in the house. And then as we walk out the door, we politely put it back in our pocket, tuck it away, because we don't want to be offensive to anybody else. What if I say something wrong, do something wrong? So I'd rather just tuck it away. But Jesus said, no, you're supposed to put that thing on a stand. The other extreme is, you got some people that tuck it away because they want to be politically correct. You got other people that want to shine their light right in your eyeballs. Like you ever been blind-eyed, like somebody turning and has their high beams on or something, you can't see for a second, you see purple dots and flashes everywhere and all that stuff? Jesus didn't say, go shine your light in everybody's eyes where they can't even see. He said, if you just put it on a lampstand, they'll be drawn to it. If I be lifted up, all men will be drawn unto me. If you are sons of light and you let the light be on the stand where it's supposed to be, take the basket of fear, take the basket of insecurity, take the basket of excuses and lies that you've believed off of the light and let it shine. I mean, y'all, y'all probably sang this song if you grew up in church, the, this little light of mine. But too many believers want to hide it. And a lot of the reason is, is because we're told we have to. I remember being on the Capitol floor talking to the House of Delegates and there was this bill that they were trying to run that would have hindered Christian faith and all that stuff. And I said, listen, the the thing that you were trying to say is you're trying to separate me from my faith, but I am my faith. It's not something that I believe. It's who I am. So if you tell me I have to leave Christ at home, I have to stay at home because I can't leave without taking Jesus with me. He's part of who I am. And Jesus, when he said that you're the light of the world, you need to get your light on a lampstand in verse 16. He says, your light must shine. Now, I'm not an English professor. I can barely read English. And and I'm a hillbilly from West Virginia, so some of y'all are having trouble even understanding if I'm speaking English right now or not. But the word must means this is a command. Your light must shine, not before church folk, not before your brothers and sisters, but before people And it needs to shine before people in such a way that they see the good works that you do and they sit back and I'm like, that dude is not that good. That has to be God. That when they see you, it brings glory to God. 
Now, when you think about your life, not just in the Christmas season, but when you think about your life and an honest evaluation of your life, when people see what you do, does it bring glory to God? Does it bring glory to yourself? Or does it turn people away from God? Can I tell you, people who shine their light in the eyes of other people, that turns people away from God. Because if somebody shines a bright light in your eye, what's the first thing you do? But when you walk into the room and the room is, the light is hung right where it needs to be in the room, like nobody's turning their head and they just see clearly. And if we're going to be who we're called to be and see the revival that we're called to help be a part of and all of that, then it has to be us realizing the baskets of the lies that are covering the light that we've got to lift off. And it's got to be us realizing that no matter what it looks like in the world today, that where there is light, it always defeats darkness. But we can't fight a battle with more darkness. You can't fight anger with anger. So I don't know about you. I'm not on social media. I've heard all the different things that are on there. I I have peace in my life because I don't have social media in my life. But there's a lot of people that just want to get in these wars. And all it is is shining our light bright. We're, we're trying to overcome anger and stuff with more anger and frustration. And they're just turning their head. Because that's a light they don't want to see. And there's many of us, the reason why that it's so dark is because we've just believed the lie of, well, I'm an introvert. Well, so am I. In fact, I think it's Briars, uh, Myers-Briggs personality test. It gives you an introvert score from zero to 99. I'm a 99. <laughs> Perfect score for introvert. <sighs> yep. And yet every single week I get in front of people and shine my light. Why? Because it's not our weaknesses that disqualify us. It's actually our weaknesses are our greatest area for God to work through. That's why Paul said, I'm going to start boasting in my weaknesses because I understand that in my weakness I'm made strong. Some of you are not shining your light because you're just like, I'm just not a people person. I'm just not, I don't know enough about the Word of God. Well, that's a simple solution. If you don't know enough about the Word of God, read it more. Listen to it. Talk to other people who know about it. Get in a Bible study. Get in a small group. And guess what? You'll learn more about Him. But I read the Bible and I don't understand it. I read everything and don't understand it. Accept the Bible now. 
because the Spirit of God will lead me and guide me and teach me. And that's what Jesus said. I'm going to send you a comforter, and he's going to lead you, and he's going to guide you, and he's going to teach you in all truth. God came into the world as a light to bring great joy. He passed his light to his disciples to bring great joy. We read the word of God today and we can become sons of God, but becoming a son of God is more than just having our name written down in a book in heaven and one day having joy in our life and and having celebration and walking in freedom and all of those things. It's no, 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 no. You get to be a son now. And you get to receive the Father's benefits. From the very first moment that my son was born, he was a holly. And anything that I had, he had. He didn't have to earn it. It was automatically given. Why? Because he's my son. Some of y'all are still trying to earn God's love, earn God's favor. If I do enough stuff, I can find joy, and then I can begin to serve people and all that stuff. And the devil has you living a life that's just existing, and it's this constant struggle and fight, and that's, that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants you to try to disqualify yourself or him to try to discredit you in some way. But when my little girl was in kindergarten, she came home, and she said, Daddy, I know what joy means. You know what joy means? I was like, what's that, babe? Jesus, others, and you. Joy. If you live your life for Jesus to serve others, then you will have joy in your life. Some of you, the reason why you don't have joy is because you made your world all about you. Tear down your kingdom and start to build his. Make it about him. Make it about reaching others. Make it about shining your light to bring people to Jesus. Not in a way that turns them away, but in a way that attracts them. And all light has to do to defeat darkness is be present. You turn out every light in this room and you flip on one switch and all of a sudden darkness is dispelled and you can see clearly. If you want to see our world changed, you realize why Jesus came. He came as a light to bring great joy. Not just at Christmas, but every day of our life. Every day of the year. Stop believing the lie. Stop telling God what you can't do and begin to ask him what he can do when you just make yourself available. It has never been about your ability. It has always been about your availability. Will you take the basket off your lamp and shine your light? There's other people's joy There's other people's salvation. There's other people's freedom that is waiting on you to take the basket of limitations off of God and put your light on that lampstand so that people can see him clearly. Amen. I want you to bow your head for just a second. 
I want you just to take a second and ask God, God, what are you speaking to me through this message? For some of you, it's lies you've been believing. For some of you, it's excuses that you've been making. For some of you, it's confirmation that it's time to stop hiding and begin to get connected and serving and doing things to build the kingdom of God. For some of you, you got to quit being so self-focused and become Christ-centered in your thought life. For some of you, you may not have ever experienced the light of the gospel. And you're here today because Jesus wants to bring you into that light so that you can become a son of the light. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor Brandon, I don't, I don't, need, I don't know Jesus. Or I don't know. I, like when I got saved, I, there wasn't a big change in my life. I didn't feel joy. I, I, I just I prayed a prayer and somebody told me I was saved, but I, I didn't didn't really notice anything in my life but I want to receive his light into my life if it's you I just want you to slip up your hand right where you are and then you can slip it back down see those hands come on right where you are just say Jesus I need you in my life God I ask you to forgive me of my sin I want your light to shine in to the darkness in my life and bring light. God, I give you my life. Remove the darkness. Let me walk in your peace and freedom. In Jesus' name. You're in here and you say, Pastor Brandon, I've realized there's lies I've believed. There's excuses that I've made. I've covered my light. I've put a basket over my light. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. Come on, just evaluation. I, I know I'm not where I need to sit. See those hands? Come on. This doesn't mean you're a failure as a Christian. This doesn't mean, this just means I realize I'm coming up short. That's what the Word of God does is it corrects. I realize there's a course correction. Father God, I just pray over every one of those individuals, God. God, I pray, Father, that from this day forward, they won't just be a hearer of the word, but they'll be a doer of the word. That they realize, God, that you put your light in them and that, God, their responsibility as a believer is to light others, to put it on a lampstand so that others can see to bring glory to you, God. Father, show them simple acts of kindness. Show them simple ways to begin to show their light to others, God. God, I pray for those that are battling with depression, God. I pray that the joy of the Lord will be their strength, Father. God, I pray that you heal every broken heart, God. You bring freedom and liberty into their hearts and their lives, God. They become that city on a hill that will not be hidden because light always conquers darkness. Let us begin to see the world and not define it as a dark place, but define it as a place full of light because we stopped hiding our lights. And your joy, unspeakable and full of glory flows through us. 
We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Guys, you have a decision to make now. You can be a hearer of the word who goes off and is like, man, that was, that was pretty good. It was challenging. And then just go on with life as normal. Or you can go and shine your light and be who God has called you to be and transform your community, transform your workplace. Stop complaining about your workplace. Begin to pray about it and then begin to serve in it and watch what God does. Quit complaining about our leadership. Begin to serve them, begin to pray for them and watch what God does. Too many times we look for a political revolution when what we need is a spiritual revival. And let's go and seek God. Let's shine our light and do our part to build his kingdom. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.